all of the information that you're giving as a coach is not new and has most certainly been said before and probably reported. The reason someone's coming to you for coaching is for your eye in that moment. That's what they're paying you for. This podcast is not to be used as medical advice or medical education. If you are experiencing pain, discomfort, or any other medical or physical ailment, please consult a licensed medical doctor or physical therapist. This is the strategy of fitness. Hey, this is Dan Gore from the Strategy of Fitness Podcast. We'd like to thank you for all of your support. And if you love the podcast, please recommend to a friend. Find the Strategy of Fitness on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play. Please like, subscribe, follow, and leave a review if you can. On Instagram, we are at the Strategy of Fitness. And we also give you the best gym songs every week. The Strategy of Fitness official hitters playlist on Spotify. The Strategy of Fitness has linked up with Whoop, the best wearable technology you can use. If you go through the link in our Instagram bio, you can receive $30 off your subscription. Welcome back to the Strategy of Fitness Podcast. My name is Nick Cressy, joined weekly by Dan Gorn and Rob Rowland. Boys, we got a big topic to kick it off with. Dan, let's just jump right in. Number four out of 21 teams at you know a, a great, a great competition by, by your gym, your home gym. Deuces Wild 2 went down this weekend. Let's get into it, man. First off, thanks for coming, man. That was a fucking, like I said, it was the best day ever. It was at its highs and lows, but man, that was, that was a fucking fun day. So shout out to Dave Lorenzo and Danielle Hagel for putting on the damn competition, all the volunteers. Cause man, I, for having that many teams, I think there was 21 guys teams and there was 11 or maybe 12 female teams and just the smoothness with which things operated, you know, everything was on time. Everything was clicking they had free Chick-fil-A there. So from a competition standpoint, you know, volunteers judging, you really can't ask for much more, right? Well-oiled machine for sure. And they were, they were so timely. Everything was right on cue. And, you know, I will say I've been to a number of competitions at this point. I've been to a number of boxes, CrossFit gyms, whatever. Your guys' culture and relationships, the group of guys or the core people, the nucleus at your gym is, is pretty unique. Just all around nice people, like way nicer than your average Joe Schmo. So, and it's cool to be around people like that. Like you have a, you have a good group of people there. I'm lucky as fuck, dude. And I think it starts from the top. I think that's what you know, Dave and Danielle and and you know Sean, who's there now, and Dan have tried to cultivate. You know, trying trying to get people on the same page. You know, trying to get people you know moving you know in the same direction, and it's real fucking cool to see. But yeah, it was it was awesome, man. I had a great weekend. We could ask for nice. I think last year we did this in twenty or two years ago, I guess, because the pandemic twenty nineteen. It was about one hundred and twelve degrees. Man, Saturday was at seventy five degrees. Little sun, little cloud, perfect. Man. 
It was. Well, before we go too deep into that, let's check in with, with our man, Rob. Rob, how's the tricep going? I thought about it all week. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's getting a little bit better. I did some bench this week. I was afraid to go above like 185. I'm, I'm terrified that I'm have that same feeling with a bar dropping on my chest. So I just got some volume and it's, it feels pretty good. It's not really bothering me day to day, but I'm going to take it slow with the, the build back up. So don't, don't waste time on me. I want to hear more about this, this competition. Well, I guess without further ado, then we will, we'll jump into it. We'll just, just for the listeners out there, that weren't following along on Instagram, which 99% of you hopefully weren't because you have lives and it was Saturday, but <laughs> that's it. We'll get right into it. So Dan, I'm going to basically just say the workout and then we're going to hear your experience with it. And then my experience with it, we'll just go, we'll go quick. The first one was a, was a complex ladder. So each team had a minute and 45 seconds to do a deadlift hang clean. It could be power or squat front squat, and then a jerk. So take us through your journey. First of all, never felt better. Just fucking amped up. And my max, the max I've ever put over my head is 205. And there was a 205 stop and a 225 stop. I thought I was pretty easy through everything. 205, nothing felt heavy. So 225 would have been a, a PR that would have been 20 pound PR to put over my head and then to do it all with a complex too and failed that twice. So I, I felt so good that I was kind of bummed I didn't do it. But if you asked me before the competition, if there was even a chance, I was like, well, that's probably a little out of range. So overall it's a win. I hit the 205, which is like, I think if I didn't hit the 205, you would have, you would have been like, dude, you got to at least get that, you know, where you were in practice and, and kind of working on it. So I'm happy with that. And then you climbed all the way up the fucking ladder at 285 and it looked like a warm up. Yeah, it was good. I mean, I, I think I, I said it beforehand. I was like, man, I'm surprised they, cl- they, they closed the door at 285. I, I thought a lot of people would, would stay in that castle, and, and a lot of people did. That said, it was really exciting. Those, those ladders in a, in a competition like that are really fun because people are PR and left and right, or at least getting to a chance to PR like you. I mean, you had that thing three quarters of the way over your head. So now, you know, it lights that candle again, and you're going to be hungry to go get it. You know, one thing that one takeaway that I, I just thinking about it when we talked about it all day is, you know, your your jerk is your PR with a clean. You should be cleaning separately and jerking separately. And both of those should be exactly. heavier yes. than your exactly. clean and jerk. So, just, you know, if we can work on getting that overhead strength a little stronger, then you can resort back to, hey, I've put 235 or 245 over my head. Even yes. with this yeah. fatigued clean, I can get 225 up. So, you know, that's next. That is next, but it was good. And, and shout out to Sean too. Our boy hit 285, cleaned the ladder. And he was, you know, big moment for him. That was awesome. And a lot of big boys there. Like you said, a lot of people made that ladder kind of not, not look super difficult again, but I think that's more of a testament to the competition. There's some places, like some really good athletes there. Nonetheless, fun complex. I love complexes. I love barbell complexes. So, you know, anyone can go dick around with that in their garage. So next we had a two hour break. So that was at 917. We had until 1115 for one of the big wads. And we strategically put the floater in. So people that aren't familiar with the floater, basically it's this doesn't have a time. You get to pick the time. And it's usually a sprint type workout. And this thing was gnarly. It was a nine minute cap. And each partner had to do a 250 meter ski, six shoulder or D ball over shoulder at hundred pounds, 12 D ball bear hug squats, and then six more ground to over shoulder and then a 250 meter ski. So 
just an annihilation if you really go after it. And that's exactly what happened to us. Yeah. How'd it feel? Felt great. So I did that as a, cause it's not a long workout. So I was like, I just want to test this out. I did it after a workout one day and it was like, I did it like three minutes and 50 seconds or something along those lines. But I was, again, I was gassed as whatever. So competition environment, I kind of went balls to the wall, hit 309, which I thought was a pretty good number for myself. I was like, okay, if I can be around that three minute mark, that's going to be competitive and, and not going to let you down there. So I got after it and it was about as good as I could do. I didn't blow it out on the first ski, but I also didn't take too much, you know, time off the clock either. And then you had some energy there at the end and, and you fucking eviscerated that workout. So I was really, I, I was, that might've been our best, best kind of moment there teamwork wise. Yeah, it was that workout is a classic. How bad do you want to hurt? It was a very Fran esque workout. By the time you realize how out of breath and how your extremities are feeling, you're already back to the ski. Like my second 250 meter ski, I was just like, you know, the first pull, I pulled so hard, it's not mounted on the wall. The thing almost tipped over on me. But I was just like, just worried about getting it going. I was trying to keep like a 130 or sub 130, 500 meter pace. So that was gnarly. We ended up getting 545, I think, which was good enough for fourth. And like you said, there were some real strong teams there. So, so that was fun. So then we had about a 45 minute break and really one of the, one of the cooler workouts of the day came up. So what this one was, was an 1100 meter run. Half of that is uphill. Half of that obviously is downhill. You come back and it's five rounds of five, 10 and 20. So the five is power snatches at 95 pounds, 10 lateral burpees and 20 double unders. Then you go do another 1100 meter run. You come back and that barbell is now 135 and it's ground to overhead. They don't care how you do it. If you clean and jerk it or whatever, but the 10 and the 20 remain the same. So you and I had the strategy of you get three rounds. The way we had to to parse this up was we had to alternate movements. So it's an even workload. You, you, no one, like I couldn't just be on the barbell and you couldn't just be doing the burpee. So we had to make sure we went back and forth. So you went for the three rounds on the barbell at the 95. I did it on the 135. That workout kicked your ass. Tell us about it. Oh, dude, the first part was like the first run and the first part wasn't horrible. For some reason, that second run, I just died. You know, and I'm not that much. I don't think I'm as strong a runner as you, but I'm definitely not that much worse than you running. Yeah. But it, it was kind of beat me up on the run there. And then came back and the burpees were, uh, you know, I went to singles on the 135, which I was not anticipating being that tired. It was really rough. And then the burpees were just a little bit slower than I'd like. And you made a good point. It's like the burpees, again, it's how bad do you want to hurt? And at certain points, like on the skier, I, I, you know, I fucking ate that up. And then on the burpees, I fucking, like I said, I kind of was moping a little bit on a couple of those burpees that I should, should have been faster on. I'm fucking, you know, like it wasn't the best effort, but it, the totality of our effort was pretty good. Like, even though my run, like I was slow as fuck, I was still ahead of a lot of people. So like, it wasn't great for myself, but also I'm, I'm kind of a, a you know, it, it was a good, the, the totality of our effort was pretty good. And I think the thing that killed me was you're so much fucking faster at the burpees and so much better on the barbell. So when you were doing the burpees, I was getting minimal rest after being completely gassed on the barbell and then right back into it. So that accumulation of no rest just fucking eviscerated. Yeah. And that's something as I was reflecting on it yesterday, like I could probably be a better partner <laughs> in that sense. I was going so fast because I did have a lot of rest and, you know, like in, in, in all reality, like, you know, you got to, you got to strategize team workouts 
for your, for your team, it's not individual. And, you know, I, I so rarely get to compete in person with other people that like, all I was thinking about was like, dude, there's regional teams guys all around us. And I want them to know I'm just as fucking good as them. So, you know, I'm thinking about myself, not necessarily, I'm doing these 10 lateral burpees. Meanwhile, you're over there like, Holy fuck, bro. I'm, I'm dying. <laughs> I probably could have backed off a little bit, but that's why I went and got it on the run on that second run because you know that that wasn't individualized by any means but you could split up so i i think that did set us up for success just because i i i kept the barbell cycling on the second part of that workout so quick and by that point you were already in like the pain cave you just you just stayed there so you just kept moving and that's all you got to do in a workout like that I was in the pain cave and also didn't fuck up one double under no matter how tired no. I was so i was proud of myself for that i, I fucking rolled on those kept myself moving. It could have been a lot worse. And, and that, that was, that worked out. That was kind of like, I don't want to say a wheelhouse workout. That's usually like, if I had to do that workout myself, I would have been like, Oh, I love this workout. It's long. It's not that heavy. Just keep moving. But man, when you fire up that intensity, the way that we did like that intensity, I was not used to. And that fucked me, but it was cool. nonetheless. Yeah, it was fun. Last workout was really gnarly. I keep saying gnarly for some reason, like I'm a surfer, bro. <laughs> this got the, was got the tank top on. Yeah, it was actually two workouts, right? So it was you had a minute 30, and a partner started on a row, a partner started on an assault bike, and it was cumulative calories. Then there was a 30-second transition, and it was it was kind of wacky. I'm not gonna get into all the intricacies of it, but there were some box step-ups, there were some single arm thrusters. There were some toes to bars. There were some chest to bars. Then you switched. Actually, one partner did all toes to bar or all lock step ups. One partner did all thrusters. Then you did toes to bar. Then you actually switched the movement. And then you did toes to bar as a team. And then you had a 30 second transition back to those calorie machines. Those calorie machines put us on our ass, bro. That was the one time where we both were looking at each other like, oh, fuck, I don't want another workout. The second assault bike, I, I was telling uh, telling Nick and Rob, you could relate to this because Rob was the first person that gave me this test. The only other time I felt like this was when I did the 10 minute effort on the assault bike, that last fucking minute when you have to hit that calorie count and there's just nothing left in the tank. But yeah, I, I thought, again, you did, I think we split them up 40, there were 60 chest bar, 60 toes to bar. I think we did close to 40, 20 or right around 40, 20 on each of those. You're a little strong or a lot stronger on the bar than I am. But I was proud of myself because I hit those fucking thrusters before you finish the step-ups, I think I got seven or eight toes to bar in, which kind of let that workout flow very, very nicely. Because by the time you got to bar, it's like, all right, you can hit a big set of toes to bar. Then I hit a big set of toes to bar. Then we're done. Then I'm on the step-up. So I thought that first part of that workout went about as in the beginning part, you're like, don't blow it out. You said, keep the cow or keep the cows per hour at 1500. I did exactly that. 34 cows in a minute, 30 woke up, you know, kind of got up fresh, hit my thruster. So the first part of that workout and even into the chest to bar, which could have been a little bit better on mine was pretty goddamn good. Where that fucking workout fell off the wheels was my assault bike on that. I had, I mean, I, and again, I'm pretty good at the assault bike. I was, I had absolutely nothing. I, it was terrible. I, I, I had nothing. If there was anything to have, I would have had it, but it was awful. And I was the same thing with the rower. I think in my minute 30, I hit 37 cows, which isn't terrible, but I'm pretty good on the rower. Like I probably could push that pace. 37. I mean, like, like that I hit 34 at the beginning and I was going relatively slow. So 37 for you again, you're a stronger rower. Like that's not, yeah, that that's not 14, 1450 to a 1500 calorie per hour pace. But man, I was so gassed from 
again, if you think about the workout, it wasn't that much work. It was just a lot in a short amount of time. Yes. It was the time that that's, that's what did it. Yeah. And I was talking, but, but if you looked at our calorie count, like I think it hit everyone else just as hard because oh, yeah. the cumulative calories, it wasn't that bad compared to the other teams. It was just not nearly what we were anticipating where two people are pretty strong in those machines. And then we got the fucking surprise that we made it to the finals. Top five teams make it to the finals. We were sitting in fourth and owner of the gym just genuine, just genuinely doesn't like you. So he, <laughs> it was, could it, could it be worse? Like, I, I like you even came up to him afterwards. You're like, dude, Dave, like you serious with this fucking work? What the fuck was that program? <laughs> but I mean, it was, it was a great workout. It was just kind of weird. It was synchronized for men, 14 overhead squats at 135, 14 alternating to seven each person wall walks, and then five synchronized bar muscle-ups. And then the wall walks and the overhead squats went to 10 and six, I believe. And the bar muscle-ups remained at five. So if you're good at those movements, it's a fucking hellacious shoulder sprint. You know, we knew we were in for it, I think, during warm-ups. It's the last workout of the day. Shoulders kind of tired already. And I'll, I'll kind of let you explain, you know, what, what happened. Yeah, man. I, I just, like, honestly, I haven't... So first off, just for any listeners not familiar with me, my max snatch is 150 and my max overhead squat's 155. So you're asking me to hit fucking 14, 135 overhead squats off the bat. It, it, it was not pretty. But I'll tell you one thing that saved me. So... At a point, I couldn't even like the first one. I I snatched up there, and I think I hit six out of the gate. Yeah, felt pretty good. And then I realized I couldn't even snatch one thirty five. My calves were cramping. I had no explosion left in my lower half. Like my crab calves were not letting me do it. So Nick was just like clean and jerk it, throw it on your back, put it up in a wide grip. So I did that, and we've made it through those. And then this gets into our second part. Jess Sartoria, who wanted a shout out, and she was the fucking goat. <laughs> judge because <laughs> she was pretty goddamn lenient with the handstand walk. My handstand walks were the coming down wasn't great. Like you said, I fell, fell, fell very ugly. It was like you ever see those those building implosions, like when they blow up the kingdom in Seattle. That that's basically what my handstand walks look like coming down. It was not pretty. But made it through those, then we hit four of our muscle ups and it was an eight. It was like you're the below the knee just disintegrated. Like there was just nothing. You had friction on the wall, and then all of a sudden it was just it was, flat. And she was like, yeah. You're good. And like, you're yeah. insane. Yeah, uh, you're a saint, Jess Sartorio. She, she's a saint. And again, we're not fucking winning this thing anyway. Like, you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. And then the bar muscles, dude, I had, I had, for some reason, I had no grip. I, I fucking couldn't grip the bar. I, I was done. I was toast. It was shit. I got four bar muscle ups. It took me like a hundred tries. The fucking people at the gym, like the volunteers, Bill Rush, were so fucking cool. They were cheering me on. It was a really cool moment, even though I was like completely shitting the bed. But yeah, thanks, Nick. Like Nick was like, honestly, like he, he can be a real dick sometimes, but he was actually pretty fucking encouraging. I think he knew I was struggling and it was really good. It was a good moment. Cause he was like, you know, you know, Nick's reputation isn't to be the encouraging partner in that time, but he, he really was and, and helped me out. And yo, straight up, we got some great fucking pictures from that. Like if you just look at the pictures from that workout, it looks like we fucking killed it. So I know it looks like we did. <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah. So we hit a couple. You know, that's fun. And guess what? We're probably the only team that drank like a six pack of beers the night before. So absolutely. And after yeah, really um, that, that was quite a lot of shit. So how, how do the boys feel on the day? Nick, I'm assuming that's like a typical Saturday for you, but I got to imagine Dan doesn't feel so good. <laughs> that's, like, that's like a Saturday. That's like the proven AM session. So <laughs> my, my forearms are tight, but as the day went on, I was like, 
I kind of want to work out. Like I did some active recovery stuff with the kids today, but I didn't actually hit a workout. Dan, how you feeling? Look at first off, look at my whoop today. You know what my whoop? You look at my whoop today because you know what I usually put up. You fucking, you know, we're talking. I got a sixteen just walking into the competition. Look at my whoop today. That's how little. I, have you ever seen me with a whoop score in that territory? Eight point three, bro. Did you do anything today? I walked the dog. For like a mile and a half with my kids. That's all I did. I, I didn't leave the couch. I watched National Treasure One. I watched fucking National Treasure Two. I watched fucking Beginning of Avatar. I didn't do fucking anything. Wow. Can you ever? Have you ever seen me do that? No, I'm really, I'm yeah. sore. My, my quads are sore. My lats are sore. Coming down the barbell on my back, like hit that a little bit. So T spine's a little sore, but I feel I feel good. I think I'm just gonna chill till you know Wednesday's my next big day and just kind of see how I feel then and go from there. But you know, it was, it was fucking fun, man. And like you made the point, like. Uh, maybe I was talking to my buddy, Sean, and I, I, you know, he watched me shit the bed on that last workout. He's like, yo, that's everything you told me you are like in one thing. It's just like that. I, I, I tried that. Like I, you can't say I didn't try. I ripped the fuck out of my hand. I was, I was not feeling good. I had no grip. It was, it was rough, but I gave it my all. You know, this could come off wrong, but I don't, yeah. I don't intend it to. You're one of the few people. And look, I, in my life, I, for the most part, have friends that aren't as fit as I am just in general, which is probably something about myself. That's wrong. <laughs> you know, I have to be the alpha. Look, no matter where I put myself, I'm in, I'm in a lot better shape than most people. That's just a fact. I'm, I'm not, I'm not hiding it. Time to walk into a room. I tend to be the best looking guy. I mean, that's just <laughs> yeah. what it is. No, never that, but just, I work out hard. Long story short. My point being is that so many people, Dan, like they won't work out with with people that aren't as like they're not as good as. And you you were just like you welcome it and you take it as a challenge. And I think it's fucking awesome because there's so many people that I've worked out with that show up to the gym one time and they're like, well, I'm not. No, no, no. I'm not into that. You're just like, you use it as fuel. And by the end, like you kind of were a little pissed yesterday. You were bleeding. You were like, fuck, I, I shit the bed. But you didn't. You performed so much better than you did two years ago. This is your second competition ever. And by the end of it, you were like, I can't wait to do it again. And that's what it's all about, right? And that's why yeah. we fucking love CrossFit. No, I, and that's, that's, that is actually not coming off of anything. It's, it's a very high compliment. I take it as a high compliment. Even like one of the dudes there, Jack, who I used to see at Tilton, he hasn't, you know, because Tilton closed down. That's where I used to train. And that's where I used to work. And I used to see him all the time. And he hasn't seen me in, you know, year and a half. And he was in the competition. You know, it's kind of cool to be on the floor with him. I hadn't seen him in a while. Yeah, that, that's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. And he was like, he's like, yo, you're looking really fucking good. And I was like, that's a fucking great compliment. Like from a guy who's a really, a former regionals athlete, like great athletes, you know, just a high compliment. Like, he was a professional football player. Professional goddamn football player. So was, again, do you see these like moments you have in time that it's like, you know, take time in, appreciate where you are. Like, hey, you know, that that doing those bar muscle ups with people I know that I work out with every day or cheering you on, like that was a really cool moment. So yeah, it is what it is. And I think, you know, Sean put it best too. I was talking with him about it. And he's like, yo, if you don't show up on those other workouts, you guys don't fucking sniff the sniff the finals. Exactly. Like, he's like, if you don't show the fuck up, you're not getting there. So uh, again, you know, it was it was a great time. It was a really good test. And I, I've never been more shook in my life than when we made the finals. I was like, dude, I have I I cannot tell you when you I say I had nothing left, I had nothing but you know. And again, 36-year-old father, too, ain't doing so bad, so. There's never yeah. been someone less happy to move <sighs> on. I, I was in, too. Like, you would have thought that, like, <laughs> you were like that kid at the spelling bee that when he got it right, he, like, fainted. Like, you were, you were, you were so out of it. 
as soon as they said the strategy of fitness fourth, you just like laid back and everyone was just like, Oh fuck, Dan knows he's in for it. He's got to do another workout. I know Dave's going to be like, I know, I know Dave's programming. He's just going to be like, you know, fucking heavy overhead bar, you know, bar ring. I knew we were going bar ring muscle ups. I knew. I'm glad it was bar muscle ups. At least I got to get a couple because, you know, the rings probably, that, that ain't happening. Synchronized ring muscle ups. Fuck, we'd still be there if we actually had to complete the workout. I was hoping for like a six minute time cap, to be honest. I was like, just make this the fucking show. I was hoping for like a six minute time cap. Like I had to dead carry you out to the parking lot or something, just something fucking stupid. But hey, great time, man. Yeah, can't thank RDT enough. Fucking awesome comp. The people there, like you said, it was special, man. That, that was a special fucking day, you know, and it was being back after COVID and, you know, everyone just being around each other was fucking awesome. Yeah. And Chick-fil-A at the end was free. Always wait them out, guys. Always wait them out. They have to get rid of that food. <laughs> and we all wait day, we, all day long. Do we do we eat anything except for we had the little Wawa in the morning? I, no, I, but I will say bar. I don't have a special smoke this week. I do want to get I want to talk about Jocko Go. Rob, you ever mess with this? <laughs> oh, what is it? Jocko. Jocko. It's basically Jocko's special fuel. You know anything about this? No, nah, I wasn't in the Navy, so I don't think I can drink it. Oh, bro, it's at Wawa, so everyone's <laughs> got it. <laughs> it's, it I, th- I, think it, I think it tastes like complete. The sour apple, I will say, was better than the orange nutsack flavor, but it tasted <laughs> like, like pure shit. And it has like, so Rob, you know how you love Topo Chico because it has like the, the extra carbonation? Yeah. So then this would be like the 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 worst like version of that it has no carbonation it's like it's almost like do you want to like is it is it flat like do you want the carbonation do you not want the like what the fuck we're doing here jock hey jocko there's no calories in carbonation hook a brother up jocko decided to ring out one of his jujitsu belts and say hey make make this flavor in actuality i enjoyed it i thought it was a nice clean energy 95 milligrams of caffeine so it's not going to light you up too much especially when you're drinking two of them throughout the day. Plus, you know, I had a scoop of regular pre-workout. So I was running on about 500 milligrams of caffeine by the end of the day. Felt great. Yeah. Check it out. I don't know. They're like 450 at, uh, you get, you get two for 450 at Wawa. Maybe you like it. Maybe you don't. It's worth a try because I think the ingredient, like it's, it was kind of disappointing because I think the ingredients and like, you know, it's kind of like the kill cliff, like, you know, not a lot of artificial stuff, you know, not too much caffeine, but not, like a little bit of caffeine. And it's like, I like what he's trying to do, but like, just give me some carbonation, bro. All right. Well, let's get to our guest and then we can bullshit on the back end. I wasn't able to make it because I didn't look at my calendar. Dan, tee it up. Yeah, man, we got a gentleman who was turned on to me by a friend, Aaron Adams. He is an Olympic weightlifter, has an awesome background in the youth weightlifting, competed at nationals. He has competed and lifted in college at Louisiana State University under some phenomenal, some of the some of the best collegiate coaching in the country. And he has some awesome programming that really very affordable, very interesting and controlled partially by AI, which was really cool to hear about. And he definitely picks up like as the interview goes on, he gets a little bit more comfortable with me and Rob. So, so stick with it because he's got some fucking gems as he goes on. It was a great interview. So Aaron Adams coming in hot. So here we are, we're the strategy of fitness joined by Aaron Adams, turned on to me by a friend, kind of went down the Instagram rabbit hole and holy shit, you are a strong motherfucker for somebody who's a lot smaller than me. So (laughs) First off, first off, talk about your background a little bit 
and uh, your competition background. I believe you you went lifted at LSU and, and a, a great program with a great coach down there. So just tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got into the Olympic weightlifting, most fascinated um, with, with how people kind of get there. And then also, I want to hear about your competitive background. Where have you competed? What are some of your, your, your good lifts? What are some of the stuff you moved in the past? So right now, I am 5'4", 136 pounds, so 62-kilogram class. And that's what I was competing at as a collegiate athlete as well. So I had lifted for a long time in that same weight class. I went to three junior worlds, a senior worlds, a bunch of international meets, Pan Ams, junior Pan Ams, stuff like that. Won nationals three times. I think I won the American Open three times too. I had a bunch of school age records. That's what youth used to be called. Or So now it's youth that used to be school age. So, but yeah, that's like, I guess that's like my best background in accolade. You know, one of the things that I was, you know, staggered by when I'm I'm looking at some of your lifts is... uh, not only the height, height and, and the weight and how much you move, but also the speed. I mean, you've got to be one of the fastest people I've seen. You know, I mean, obviously all these guys are fast, but there's just a, there's a certain speed which you hit that with that I think everyone, if they could, you know, borrow that super f- power from you would have. Have you always had that or is that something you had to develop through training? I'm, I'm thinking more like an innate versus learn. Like how, how, do you, uh, how do you work with that there? How do you, how do you see that skill break there? It's, it's a both and, right? Like it's not ever just innate or it's not ever just learned. It's a little bit of both, right? It takes some kind of massaging. So one of the things early on I wrestled, my dad was a wrestling coach. I wrestled and my style was always very explosive. And then I would basically stall for as long as humanly possible until I could score a flurry of points and then stall again for as long as humanly possible, which is very conducive to weightlifting, actually. And I stalled in weightlifting as a strategy many, many times. I'm like, there's too much chalk on the platform. It needs to all get off there. Please give me another minute. I'm exhausted. So I think it started there. And then over time, just lifting over and over again and just doing the same explosive movements constantly really helped. So I went to school down at LSUS, like you said, trained with our under Dr. Kyle Pierce, with Kendrick Ferris, Kara Heads. I mean, like a bunch of Olympians, but tons of collegiate, like amazing weightlifters, all national competitors at the time. It was a stacked team. And one of the things they used to do biopsies. So we would test like all the different sports, see like kind of what they're like fast, meso, slow. That's what they called it back then. Just test out what those were. And One of the things that they noticed about mine in particular was that I had very, very little slow twitch muscle fiber. It was almost all fast twitch. There was some meso in there and then very little, if any, in my, in my uh, quadriceps. So they had taken that into account and been like, wow, that's a large muscle that really should have a lot more slow twist muscle fibers. I'm like, I'm surprised you don't get exhausted, like walking to class. I was like, I mean, it's not easy, you know, it's a big campus. So that's interesting. What was your background before you got into ollie lifting? Just wrestling, really. I had done like every sport as like a little kid. So like, you know, we're a a multi-sport family where I played football, baseball, soccer, volleyball, tried tennis once, swimming. Like we just kind of did it all. And then we just gravitated as like our whole, because we have, I have a bunch of brothers. We all gravitated towards wrestling because we just all wrestled around the house constantly and And we always had that I want to win mentality and like that dominating one-on-one mentality. So that lended it very well to wrestling, but that was it. I mean, I just wrestled. 
but I got, I got into lifting early though. I got into lifting in sixth grade, which is rare. Like, especially like that was 2001, 2000. Yeah. That's, that's very early on. So I'm sure on the platform, Kendrick had you, but as far as muscle biopsies go, did you have more fast twitch than Kendrick Ferris? I don't remember. I don't know if Kendrick did. Kendrick was like in and out of class at that time. He would like do a semester, take a semester off, do a semester, take he was all he was always in school during the collegiate championships that during that semester. So I knew that he was always gonna be he was always gonna be taking at least six credits. But I don't remember if he was part of that one. It was definitely it was it was rare enough that like Kyle called me and was like, get this shit, you know. That's awesome. And and I don't know if you, when you were down there, did they do that with every sport or was it just, just your crew? Was it just the, the lifters? They do that with football, baseball, basketball. I'm really curious about that. I love that. Like the muscle biopsy stuff is fascinating to me. Yeah. So they did it with every sport. I believe that the parameters around it were like in testing or post-test phase. So like in a taper phase. So typically it was either after a baseball game, after a max out session for lifting, after a football game, something like that, where everything was. I wanted to say that they wanted to have it pretty much exhausted of like what they would say was the ATP because I think they were measuring that as well. But I'm not I'm not exactly positive. But they did it for almost every sport. What does your your training look like these days, Dan? And then actually, what we how we usually start off a guess is like, what did you hit in your workout today? And then kind of give us what your your current training program looks like. Hold on, without Man. without Nick, we're all over the place. That's usually the first question we ask. It's the first fucking question Nick asks everyone. What did you do today? What did you do at the gym? What's your training look like right now? Sorry, right. sorry, Nick. <laughs> what did I do today? I lifted two. Oh god, what are they like? Fifteen kilogram children repetitively up and down, up and down, up and down. I ran probably a good eight hundred to twelve hundred meters around the house playing monster which is it's a really good breathing technique so check this out so they're always talking about like nose breathing but very rarely do they talk about primal breathing and primal like fire breath in yoga which is basically just screaming out of your mouth really really loudly which is what i do when i run around the house with the kids so i ran around and screamed monster i did five sets of 10 strict pull-ups with a kid hanging beneath. I did the same thing with dips, five sets of 10. I did some handstand walks. It was a pretty, it was a good rest day. So you're living in the same fatherhood bliss slash nightmare that we all are, which is, it's, it's the best of times and the worst of times. So it's good. <laughs> yesterday was, yeah. yesterday yeah, like, was horrible. <laughs> yeah. Yesterday. Yeah. It's like, Oh, what's well, today the best day of your life or the worst day of life? Well, it's probably one or the other, you know, yeah, it can be either a fucking either disaster or it's the, the most beautiful thing you've ever seen in your life. And, and not much. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Accurate. That's awesome. And using your kids for weight. That's a Rob Rowland classic. He, he throws Jackson on every birthday. Now it's going to get weird when Jackson turns 38, you know, and Rob's 64, but I think he puts his, him on his chest and does pull-ups with him. So we'll see. How I many mean, if Rob, last, Rob. if Rob wants to stay a man, I mean, he'll keep doing it. Yeah, it's like uh, Milo of Croton, man. This is just progressive overload. <laughs> That's like basic linear periodization 101, man. That was the first thing that worked. Hey, shit goes up, it goes up, right? If you know me, you know I'm always on the run, up early and home late. So having a three-hour morning routine isn't really in the cards for me. What is in the cards is AG1. It's a fast way to get vitamins and minerals I need to perform. 
I first gave EG1 a try because it was, I wanted a single solution that helps support my entire body by filling in nutrient gaps and simplifying my morning routine. Since drinking AG1 daily, I've always felt strong and energized and ready to attack the day. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre- and probiotics, and more, it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's one scoop, mixed in water, once a day, and every day. I know that AG1 is giving my body high-quality nutrition. Every batch of AG1 goes through a rigorous testing process, so you know that it's safe. And AG1 ingredients are sourced for absorption, potency, and nutrition density. AG1 is a supplement that I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. Here is your chance to start every day this season with a gift to yourself. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash provengrit. That's drinkag1.com slash provengrit. Check it out. That's it. I, I see you dabble a little bit in the CrossFit world. Do you train CrossFit at all these days, or, or did you get yeah. kind of sucked into that world through ollie lifting? Like, what's what's your status with the CrossFit community at this point? Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll do some metcons and stuff like that, especially around the house. I mean, part of like what I do now for work involves dealing a lot with metcon building and stuff like that and programming stuff. So definitely, like, I'll throw a metcon in every now and then. I I typically like the more isometric holds, carries. I like the longer workouts actually now because I, I think I spent so much time trying to like slow myself down, which has been, I think, beneficial, although it has changed my body type quite a bit. But I, I do I like the slower ones. I like the easier ones where I don't have to like kill it. I can just take it nice and slow. But yeah, I, yeah, I still... I still fucks with my cons, you know? It's interesting how, like, sexy Olympic lifting is now. You know, when you look at social media and everyone wants to hit these major snatches and these major, major cleaning jerks, and it's almost like a point of pride to have these lifts documented. And it's interesting. I feel like starting at eight in sixth grade in 2001, like, if, if somebody came up to me and was like, yo, I hit, like, a 250-pound snatch, I said, that means fucking nothing to me. And now it's, like, the coolest thing ever. So... Talk about that. Like, are your friends like back in the day? Like, what the fuck are you doing now? Like, wow, you're, this is really good stuff. Yeah, like it's hilarious how many times I come across someone from high school that are like, "Bro, I'm doing snatches now." I'm like, "Yeah, they're amazing. Yeah, bitch, I've been doing this since I was fucking sixth yeah. grade." Like, yeah, I'm like, you remember like, awesome? yeah, the one dude was like, "Weren't you in the paper for that back in the day?" And I was like, "Oh yeah," like, yeah. kind of like forget about it. But I mean, people always knew that I was like the weightlifter guy. Like, I like in gym class and stuff like that. Like I took weightlifting so that I could train a little extra. So they all knew kind of what the deal was. I got kicked out of gym class once actually for squatting too low. For, for <laughs> squ like, squatting below parallel. Yeah. Well, I stepped out of the weight, like, cause you know, they have that like parallel weight rack and I'm five, four. So it was like a quarter squat for me. So I like would move all the way back to squat all the way down and it's like a substitute gym teacher or something like that from the other like building. And they were like, you can't do that. And I literally got kicked out of class for it. But yeah, actually that's a really good like transition of how, how it was back then. Like what I was doing was kind of taboo. I wasn't allowed to snatch in class. I couldn't like really do that. Even though I lifted at my middle school, that's where I learned to lift. That was my middle school gym teacher. So, so was there, went, sorry. God, 
I was, was there like a safe haven? Cause I mean, some of the football players utilize those, you know, some of those Ollie lifts. I don't know if you found like a, maybe like a, you topped them with the football players in the weight room there or found like any sort of haven to do that at your school. So we would go to the middle school where my like first weightlifting coach was. I did that for a couple of years. And then I guess, yeah, like around like ninth or 10th grade is when I started going to Morristown. And Morristown was like the central hub for East Coast Gold. It's Morristown, New Jersey. It's right outside of uh, Philadelphia. And that was like the central hub for East Coast Gold weightlifting back then. So I was going up there and that was about 45-ish minutes away. So I would go up there every day, five days a week. My mom would drive me. Like We would go up, sit down. I would train for two hours, hang out for an hour, train again, and then train with all these like crazy lifters. Like this dude, Lance Fry, look him up. That dude was amazing back in the day. You, talk, you think I'm fast? This dude made me look like a slug. It's crazy. And, but yeah, we did that. And then weightlifting didn't really blow up until after I graduated college in like 2010, 2011, when it was like, oh, I could get a job being a weightlifting coach simply from being a weightlifter. Like, that's it. That was, that was my job interview. Eric, what, what got you into Olympic lifting so early? Like sixth grade is, is, I mean, that's when, I don't know, people might start doing some push-ups and curls. Like to start Olympic lifting that early, it must have been somebody that had an influence on you. It was probably my dad, but like for the opposite reasons, because he was always like the, you're going to be muscle bound. You don't need to lift. Like you need to work on technique and stuff like that. And I was like, yeah, no, I need to be strong. Like that just sounds right. And I, I, like I was a little kid, right? So it's not like I didn't get picked on. So I was like, all right, well, at least if I can be strong and feel cool, like I'll be strong and feel cool. Perfect. And they were doing weightlifting. So I was like, oh, okay, cool. I'm going to go and do bench presses and like some push-ups and hit the machines. And the dude taught me how to snatch and clean and jerk. And he was like, oh, wow, you can squat all the way down into the bottom and have no problem with that barbell over your head. You should do this more often. And I was like, awesome. Like, you know, sweet praise from a coach at a young age of doing something like, yeah, I'm going to keep going. So then I kept going and kept getting better and better. And it was like, it was awesome. Like I just... I think my first year I won like the AAU junior Olympics or something like that. And then the next year I went to school age nationals and I won that. I was like, Oh shit, I'm actually like, okay at this. And I was a good wrestler and I was like starting to get sucked into weightlifting because it was, it was fun. It was challenging. I didn't like, like when you lose a wrestling match or you win a wrestling match, like that shit hurts. Like you don't, it, it like someone tried to fight you. It's different than like a weight crashed on you and you messed up. Like I messed up my timing. That's my fault. Like this dude just elbowed me in the face. Like that hurts. Like, I don't want that to happen repetitively. Yeah. And, and then talk about too, the, at, at a young age, as a young developing man and too, we all have children and, and growing up, what did that do for you, your confidence and being a smaller guy? Like you said, you, you, you got picked on a little bit. Like did that first couple of years in weightlifting, that kind of give you some confidence to, to attack more things in life? So around that time is when I started blossoming as a wrestler as well. So like I had been wrestling since I was in second grade, first grade. So I was actually starting to become good, understand the sport, like no tactics as opposed to just like doing moves for moves sake and understanding the strategy. And I was getting super strong at the same time. So like one of, one of my favorite things as a, like a, a human was like for people to underestimate me and then be wrong. 
So like, I wanted people to judge me and think like, Oh, that he's not that strong. Like, look at him. And then they would go out to wrestle me and they would grab me and be like, Oh, I can't move this human being at all. In fact, like he's doing things to me. I didn't know could happen. And that I, it was super empowering because I never felt that outside of that realm. So like doing all of the lifting and feeling that strength, like, you know, like it's, it's like anything else, man. If you had a good squat session and you like the next, like you feel stronger. It's just this internal, like endorsement thing where you like, it's, it's not just your legs. It's your being, you are now stronger as a human because you push through some sort of adversity whether it be physical or mental, because it's both. One of the things too, and, and that's great background. I guess one of the things that, you know, myself, Rob and Nick, we're all trying to push is giving the listeners who might be starting out in Olympic weightlifting, who might be starting out in CrossFit fit, some good actionable advice. So I'm going to ask a very broad question. You get as specific as you want with it. But somebody's out there listening who's just starting to work on cleans, just starting to work on snatches, just started to work on a jerk motion. What are some very simple tips you've, master of the years, I'm sure you've done your fair share of coaching to get people more confident, moving faster. Like what can you share with some of our listeners? that's good actionable advice on those lifts. One thing I want to say is like, you're going to hear heels, 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 heels. And it's in fact, not heels, 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 heels. It just means stop being on your toes. <laughs> that's a big one. Like they're not like a coach typically when they're saying to like move to your heels isn't because they want you to actually be all the way on the tip of your heel. They want you to be on the center of your foot so that you have an entire platform to go off of, not just one little point. Like that's the big one that they're not trying to get you to actually do said task. They're telling they're over correcting so that you'll hopefully dear God meet somewhere in the middle. To, to piggyback on that, do you ever recommend to, to get people to feel that? Do you ever do barefoot or, or get some of your clients to lift barefoot? Especially when coaching, right? Like I've said this so many times this week, when you're coaching someone, they're not paying you for the information because it's all available. You can go on YouTube and be a genius. Like if you could consume that much, like all of the information that you're giving as a coach is not new and has most certainly been said before and probably reported. The reason someone's coming to you for coaching is for your eye in that moment. That's what they're paying you for. So if I come up to an athlete and I see that they're like doing a certain thing and they're, but they're very connected to their body, they feel their feet. They know where they're at. I might say, take your shoes off and just feel the ground or in the complete opposite direction. They've never felt their feet in their life. Okay. Take your shoes off, feel the ground. But there might be somebody else that's completely different where they're just like, it's not about like the whole feeling of the foot thing. They need to, they need to feel like, or like the shift of like where their shoulders are in space, whether it's moving forward or backward or, or they can start to feel their hips and you could say, all right, drop your butt down a little bit. And then all of a sudden the weight shifts back. Cool. You feel where you're at on your foot there. All right. Now let's pick our hips up a little bit. That's your set position. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So I think that, and that's kind of where you're getting to with you know, that's, that's mastery of coaching, right? You need to know who you're working with, kind of what cue is going to be best based on what you're seeing. And right, like you said, they're, they're paying for your eye at that specific moment. I like how you, how you put that because I was, you know, I'm constantly looking through content on YouTube and Instagram and, and there's some great, great stuff out there, but I almost think it's like, for most people, again, I've been in this for a while. You've been in this for a while. Rob's been in this for a while. Nick, you know, obviously years and years, but for most people out there, it's almost like, 
you look at a page like Squat University or you look at some of these high level coaches and you're giving them, it's almost like you're giving a kindergartner the Encyclopedia Britannica, right? Like they don't, it's just too much for what they're, they can absorb. And I really like what you said there. That's one specific thing you can use that's actionable that at least people can at any level can kind of take that with them and use. Yeah. I think you're confusing consuming of content with coaching. And that's the thing is like, you don't learn like Aaron at Squat U is great, man. He's a knowledge bomb. He's an encyclopedia. You're right. But and this is another thing that goes back to coaching is that's one, one outlook, right? That is one perspective on the sport who on, his only testing is on his clients that have already bought into his system, right? Like that's, that's all coaching is they bought into that, whatever this dude's selling, I'm buying. And the difference is, it's like, dude, like if I, if he would have came up to me back in the day when I was a lifter and been like, Oh, your squad, all wrong, your foot, your toes need to be like, I would have been like, dude, like GTFO, like walk on by. I'm a champion. I don't care what it looks like. I'm going to lift more weight and destroy my body as well as everyone else, because that's how you win. Like at a certain point, like you are giving up the fact that you want to walk. Like, and then there's, there's a, there's a point in a weightlifter's career where they think about these things and they decide whether or not they're going to turn back or not. I decided that I was good. I was like, I like, I like running around with my children. I enjoy that. I didn't want to put that off longer. Like, uh, yeah, like that, that's the difference is like, that's not coaching. That's consumable content. And it's great. It builds a brand. It makes a lot of money. That does that. All that does is just say like knowledge, how a person interacts has to do with the buy-in of that client. That's a good distinction there. And I'll say too with, with Aaron and, and again, he's great. Squat university. I oh, recommend awesome. it for everyone. Awesome. And, but, and yes. he's, a, he's a physical Consuming. therapist like myself and he's a physical therapist like Rob. So I feel like we're all in kind of the same fraternity. That yeah. being said, I don't fucking agree with everything, you know, like if we're going to pick nits, I'm sure I got a couple to pick, but being, you know, as far as a resource, I recommend that to people. Cause that's like, he's pretty good shit. He's not selling snake oil or whatever. Like it's by and large good shit, but, but, but it also gets to, you know, this masses and bringing the content to the masses versus working one-on-one with an individual. And that's two completely different skill sets. Cause I've seen some masters of coaching and some masters of therapy that are the best one-on-one people I can ever imagine. Some of them don't know how to use a fucking iPhone. You know, they're out there, I promise you. But, but, and then there's the opposite. I'm sure that there's maybe some people that have, you know, you know, 1.7 million followers that, you know, couldn't help you for shit, really. I've met a lot of those lately. (laughs) I bet, dude. I bet they're out there. But there's some gems too that don't have that following that just people don't fucking know about them. You know, they're just... Dude, there's a... Like, do you follow, do you follow voodoo weightlifting? I do not follow voodoo weightlifting. There you are, go. Are, are we trashing Every, people? Are we trashing people or building people up? Because I'm, I'm oh, we're building we're building people up. This okay, dude, like we're talking about gems, and he's got a lot of followers. Okay, yeah, yeah, voodoo weightlifting. Yep. So, his coach, everybody, go follow him at voodoo weightlifting on Instagram. So his coach was John Coffee, who is exactly the, the gem that you're talking about. Like if you if you want to think about like 
wading through a sewer to find a diamond. <laughs> wading through a sewer. That's what I feel about social media. If you've ever seen John Coffey's gym, you would know it's a sewer. It's just, there's shit everywhere. It's the messy, like, I mean, like look, the reason people were so good. On, this is shit talk. I love John. Like I, John is one of the greatest people of all time in weightlifting. And no one knows about him. John Coffey. This dude, like, you have inches to miss or else you're taking a wall or a human being out. Like that's why people were so good is because people were lifting within inches of things. And it's like, if you didn't have perfect technique, you were going to injure yourself, a, a person or a wall, like every, Oh man. But yeah, voodoo weightlifting has amazing content, a beautiful gem of someone who's captured an older knowledge base and is now passing that on with new flavor, which is amazing to see. It's just, it's, it's the same, like the one thing I like about them specifically is that they're not saying that like, we are the right way. It's very much, we are a way. And I think the, the coaches that say that are the actual good ones because they understand that every time they're prescribing an exercise or something like that, they're asking a question and seeing what the body gets back. Because a lot of times, like an athlete will say one thing, but the physical body reacts in a different way. And I think that's the, that's the key to a coach is that right there. If they understand they're just asking questions, physical therapists do this all the time. Let me see your range of motion. Okay, cool. Here it is. That was a question. You got an answer. Now you have a textbook to dial that down, right? Yeah, you, yeah, you can have all absolutely. the information, but it takes years and years of those clinical interactions to develop the actual skill set to be a PT. It's not just regurgitating what's in a textbook. Right. Cause you jump, you jump, you jump to the solution because you've seen over and over and over again, from your perspective, that this is the way that this is going to go. And here's the corrective exercise that I need to do. And then you ask that question and then you see if that person responds to it. If they don't respond to it, you change it. And not only the right exercise, it's got to be done in a specific way for you. Dan's going to have to do it a different way, different frequency, like all this stuff, all this stuff matters. And it takes an experienced coach to get to that level. I think those are outstanding points. And you, you talked about coaching this week. So tell us a little bit about like your current setup. What, what is your setup like? You, what, what kind of gym are you in and what kind of people are you working with? I am in the gym that you guys see, but no one else on the podcast will see, which is in my basement office. We have, we have our outdoor wood space where we have like a 400 meter loop of pull up bars and dip bars. That's what I was in today. So currently what I do is we have a company called deep athletics. And basically what I do is I've written me and my partner, a computer algorithm that allows us to write personalized programming for CrossFit and weightlifting, bodybuilding, basically any goal that you have. And then what it does is it, goes through a bunch of like AI, like checks and balances to see if this is the best program for you. And it does exactly what I just said, asks a question, <laughs> sees what your response is, and then makes a change just like a human would. That's so, like a tw tw you're living in 2035 there with that fucking AI tech. That's awesome. You, did you, yeah, we did you program the code all that? Did your partner do that? Like to see you guys got yeah, a I mean, savvy, yeah. savvy code writer over there. Yeah. Him and I worked on it over the past almost four years now. Yeah. That's fucking um, awesome, man. So I can, so, so let me tell you this from a client perspective. I, I'm like, Aaron, I want to get, I want to be pretty good at bodybuilding, but like, I want to dabble in some CrossFit. You can fire up that AI and give me the best program in the world ever. 
Yeah, so it's like, I mean, no, so not the best program in the world. And that's one thing that I say, we deal a lot. I'm, with trying, to, I'm, trying, I'm trying to tee up. You're too damn humble. I got, I got Come you. on, I got, you got to fucking I, let it fly. Yeah, it'll do that. But basically what we've done is we, we've we designed a system that simply asks those questions and gives those answers back and asks like more questions, it gives more answers back. So the goal of the system itself is to have you kind of be your own coach. So a lot of us do work out at home. A lot of us like have had personal programming and stuff like that. And it's, you're dealing with a human, right? And humans make mistakes. There are certain things that you like and that you enjoy and that you don't. Some people just want programming. So we give you the ability to basically be your own coach. So things auto-regulate. It kind of does exactly what you tell it to, almost like a calculator. And it just kind of goes and does long-term programming and then kind of adjusts as we go. The other thing that we do is kind of say like, oh, I want to get better at Olympic lifting. So, okay, cool. We'll do an Olympic weightlifting program that's very, very specific. And then we work with a lot of different coaches. So a lot of coaches realize that they can't do the same kind of volume that they could if they didn't have to spend an hour writing your program. But what we can do is we can kind of take a coach's very specific idea of what programming should look like. So while I think that the frequency of Olympic lifts should be a lot higher, right? I'm speaking about myself. I think like we should do a lot more Olympic lifts because I'm an Olympic lifter dude. Like this, this is what people are coming to me for. So in Metcons, I want to see more Olympic lifts. I want to see less gymnastics, but I still want to see the high level stuff, whatever. I like bodybuilding stuff in Metcons. So I like, I want curls in my Metcons as well. Like I want that to be available as well as a lot more isometrical things. Like, so I can actually like dial this thing in as a coach and then have that regurgitate workouts based off of the person's actual specific things, not only who they are as a person, but also what equipment they have at home. Like, do they have a runner? Do they have kettlebells? Do they have them? Do they even have a barbell? Do they have a place to do pull-ups? Things like that, as well as injury scaling. So, like, my knee hurts a lot. I don't really like doing jumping stuff. Like, okay, cool. The algorithm will handle that, kind of dial it all out. Sorry, that was a really, man, I get amped up talking about that. It's really fucking cool. And especially, I'm sure, with COVID, it was, like, perfect timing kind of, you know, if you've been working on this past four years, hey, ain't no better time when, you know, the past year to roll this shit out, right? That was like the first thing I did. I like, we weren't even planning on launching. We hadn't even launched yet. We hadn't even done our beta testing. And then as soon as COVID hit, I was like, all right, let me call up like every friend that I have and just like, Hey, if you guys want to try this out, like, let me know. Like, it's fine. It's free for a month. It's like, it's our price now is 25 bucks a month for completely personalized programming. Like, I don't, it's very rare that you can get that. (laughs) At the very least, everybody should sign up for the free month so that I can get your data. And then at least then I can understand and make the algorithm even better for the next person that signs up. Yeah. Well, one thing we promote, I think, I feel like every episode is getting personalized coaching, whether it's in person or if that's too expensive or it's too hard to do, like at least online programming. And yeah, when you consider like the cost of a personal training session now, what is it like 75 bucks an hour? Like, I don't, I don't know who's affording that, but 25 bucks a month for personalized programming. If you hate it, I mean, that's, that's almost as cheap as a plan of fitness membership. I mean, it's, it should be a no brainer to anybody that takes their fitness. Seriously. Yeah. I mean, it's, I've said this so many times, like if you, if you just started, right. Like if you're brand new and you're at home, do whatever, like just do shit, like just have fun, like learn what you like, because that's, and I used to do the same thing when I coach kids, like just, just like, Hey, what do we like to do? Do we like to snatch? Do we like to do pull-ups? Do we like to handstand? Like, What's your favorite thing to do? 
and then do more of that because eventually you're going to look over and be like, eh, I kind of want to learn how to snatch because that's pretty awesome. And and what's the the platform? Is, is are we getting like emails that have the workouts attached? Do you have an app that's streamlined for workouts or how to, what does that look like? Yeah. So right now we just do like email, like old school, kind of like what every other coach does or like, you know, true coach, things like that. But right now we just do email and we like, dude, over the past month, I've had so many meetings with different app developers. So we're finally moving forward with an app developer to get this thing built into a platform so that we can do some pretty rad stuff in the future because i got i got big plans for the for the camera that's really good stuff man and okay i you know reiterate a month we had a great guest we had steve trip on it was a few weeks ago and he's talking about his gym and he's got i don't know if you've ever seen steve he's fucking phenomenal he was a great guest yeah. and i highly recommend that episode to anybody who hasn't listened to it but he's he's a strong man competitor and he's dabbled in powerlifting but anyway we go through this whole podcast he talks about his gym i'm looking up the pictures of his gym on the website it is fucking fantastic it's in rhode island just one of these gyms and then rob Pitts is like yo i just checked out the membership to the gym it's 59 dollars a month what yeah so it's like and, and it, there are these gems out there and then again when you talk about your program so you develop this like i wish people could really take the time and and the energy and the love that you put into this program that four years of development like yo aaron is giving this shit to you for 25 dollars a month like that is insane so i just I, there's so much thing there's so many things out there that people could take advantage of and, and i just think you'd be insane not to take advantage of set a membership to steve jim or, or even a month free of this stuff it is good stuff and i'm not trying to do a hard slide i just fucking met you you know it is what it is but that's just a good, good ass price yeah i'm about to go up to rhode island and spend a month and just hop into steve's gym dude this is Steve, right? That's his name? Yes, Steve Tripp is his name. Yeah, you can check him out. He's, he's uh, I think, two episodes ago or so. But he was one of our like most beloved guests. Like, people just love that dude. He's got a great energy. And you look at his gym, it's just fucking massive dudes lifting massive weights. But if you want to do strongman stuff, he can do it. If you want to do Olympic lifting stuff, he can do it. I mean, it's really just a, a meathead paradise. It's awesome. There's a, there's a gym near us that was like that. It was called Delco. It's like Steve Puccinella. And he's a, a strongman. He like does the throwing stuff, the highland game stuff. He's huge. <laughs> Do you know who he is? Uh, His like, face was memified for the the yes! yes. So he like I've known him since like 2003, 2002, because we used to like roll up and you know we saw him in Morristown. We used to go up to his gym, and like he like that gym. We'll talk about a, a gem. I mean, just. It's, it's got everything. It's got literally everything. It's amazing. And these things are out there and people just shit on them. Yeah, it's, they're out there. And I think the only other person, because Rob filled me in on that meme, Matt, who we both know, filled me in on that gym too and just said, it's, mm-hmm. it's like you said, he just said that place is fucking paradise. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. Steve's just fucking nuts. Like, it's always like this power, li- like power lifter, strong man, like owner stuff. Like, they're, it's just nuts in there always. You can... Be sure that the music is going to be top notch, man. It's going to be intense. Yeah, so we get the same. We get people out here on the same dumb fucking questions every time. So we're we're kind of wrapping up our half hour here. So we're gonna get you out on the same right, three sweet. questions every time. So speaking of music, you're going up. You got one rep max snatch, one rep max clean and jerk, and you have to pick the two. And you're going for a one rep max. What song are you putting on? So this has happened before, actually, in real life. They tried it at a weightlifting meet. It was collegiate nationals in 2009. And you had to have a playlist for your first, second, and third attempts, as well as your like, or that was, yeah, your first, second, and third attempts on each lift. 
and I chose Dusty Springfield, Son of a Preacher Man. Got if it. you I haven't heard it, it's amazing. A little bit of an oldie, but a goodie. Oh, nonetheless. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's very contrary to what you would think. And I feel like that's what gave me my power. Uh, it's, it's definitely a new one for the playlist. Nobody's brought that one up before. So, Aaron, I'll, I'll, let, I'll just let you know that it's, it's songs like that that are going to get me bullied by Nick, but we'll, I'll put it on there because you've been a great sport. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> I, mean, I, 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 I can give you like, like a hard one. Like, all I do is win. <laughs> I like that. We'll put them both on. Fuck it. I mean, that's my hype song. Like, a, like or Annie Up, or any of those. Any, like, Annie Up's on, Annie. Any ups already on there, but yeah, we can yeah, do all that. It's probably on yeah. there like six. I used to put it on my gym playlist like four times because I was like, I want to make sure when I hit shuffle, that thing comes on every <laughs> class. <laughs> like, oh man, oh God. Yeah. All right, cool. All right. So, very important question. We need to know what your favorite non alcoholic seltzer is. If you don't drink seltzer or bubbly drinks, you can just give us your favorite alcoholic or just daily beverage that you, you imbibe. Ahi, I think it's called. Is that oh, the one uh-huh. they have? Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah, the like the, the two color cans. Yes. It's a Lidl brand yes. right? or Aldi brand, right? No, no, no. It's, no. it's its own thing. But Aha uh-huh is the Aha uh-huh seltzer. You have a flavor of that seltzer that you prefer? I believe it's pomegranate. It's my wife's thing. I go in there and snag them, especially when like start drinking some whiskey. But like, I, I want to say it's pomegranate. It's delicious. It remind back in the day they used to have that, but they would put like equal basically in it, like to the brim. So I was getting cancer or something like that. So we don't <laughs> we don't do equal anymore. But yeah, pomegranate aha, good one. Pomegranate, yeah, we have not had that one, but I like it. Last one. So this is a two parter. One is give me your best lift, like it, it number, like what was your best lift ever, and then that's going to be the easy one. The hard one is what do you define as strong. So your definition of strong in terms of you can do relative to body weight. We've had absolute strength. We've had, you know, whatever you define as strong. So first, give me your best lift ever. Have you had a baby? We need numbers. Yeah. Cause, because people try to use inner strength and you can get the fuck out of here with inner strength. We need, we need raw yeah. numbers. <laughs> yeah. I need data. So yes. you're going to have to get out of there with your feelings. Exactly. Just for this show in so, real life, feelings are important. Not here. They are not in competition. You save that shit for afterwards. So best number. So I could do competition or just overall snatch clean and jerk, et cetera. You can do overall your favorite, like the lift that you hit. You're like, holy shit. Like this is, this was some good shit. Like it could, it doesn't have to be a competition. Like maybe you had the, your best moment. Just you were feeling. Oh, it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like give give me like that right. moment. So can I do two? Can I do competition? Yeah. And then Fuck yeah. Competition? yeah. Do what you All want. All right. So my, Favorite competition lift, 2008 Junior Nationals. I clean and jerked 150 to break the Junior American record at that time, which was there forever. Like, dropped it, ran off stage. My grandma was there and, like, gave her a big kiss and everything. It was all on camera and all. That was, like, my favorite lift ever. That was that was a big moment for me because that made me, like, you know, I went to Junior Worlds after that. And, like, really, like, that was the turn of my career where I started, like, really competing at a high level my favorite lift probably ever that like still makes my blood pump and just like i'm ready to like go right now was i did a couple like the first time i ever front squatted over 400 pounds and that was like like i I don't even like i see people do it in crossfit every now and then and post something and i'm like no, I was 135 pounds. I front squatted 400 pounds like that, that talk about strength, that 
that's what that like do that percentage over your body weight or sinclair whatever you want to do like figure it out compare that like that lift felt i don't like i've never felt as strong as when i hit that lift what was the body weight again for 400 136 (laughs) almost over triple which is it's on my instagram that's in that's insane i was amps dude it was right after the eagles won the super bowl I was feeling jazz because we're right outside of Philly. Like we had that song on. I can't even remember what it was called, but it was Meek Mill. Oh, we were, the whole gym was hype. Dreams and Nightmares. That's on the the strategy of fitness. Dreams and Nightmares. Yeah, Yeah. that's a good one. Can't play that around the moms though. No, not, not, not suitable for work. And those are awesome, awesome moments there. You make me feel like shit for all my numbers, which are not great, but I'll go fuck myself. And then what do you define? What do you define as strong? What is, what is the Aaron Adams definition of strength? We've given, and I'll just give you some examples. Like we had Nick Uranker on, he said a 315 clean and jerk. Elijah Muhammad gave us two times body weight front squat, which you blew that out of the water. So this is just regular strength, not like strength. strength. You could do, it, it, it can really be whatever you want to define it as. I would say like if somebody like if I like if I was at a bar or something or a party and somebody was like, oh, I do this. Like, I'd be like, oh, all right. Yeah. Yeah. This this legit. Yeah. Over a 250 snatch because it proves so much. It proves not only like that you're actually like physically strong enough and capable enough to handle a heavier load, but it proves that you are you understand like the technical ability to handle almost any lift out there. And that you do it to a high level. And I'm, I'm assuming that this per if someone came up to me, my size, and was oh, yeah. like, I do 195. I'd be like, Oh shit. So yeah, I guess one and a half times body weight, Snatch. Times body weight, something like that. One seven five, one point. <sighs> this is a hard question, dude. I like 1. the 200. 1.75 times body weight. No. Cause that's too hard for the heavy guys Two fit. Yeah. 250 snatch. I'm sticking that's, with it. Uh, uh, yeah, two fifty snatch is great because, like you said, you're not. You know, I don't know how many, how much. You know, you're on the lighter end of the competition scale, and you're hitting probably more than that. So, I mean, you, you'd you'd want the heavier guys to hit that. I think I think that's fair. What do you think, Rob? Yeah, I, I got shocked for a second there because we keep switching between kilos and pounds. And when you said two fifty at first, I thought we were talking kilos. You really <laughs> two fifty pounds. I'm is so sorry. I'm sorry. I, it's it's hard because like I. I grew up in weightlifting. So it actually like when I say like pounds, I don't see the weight on the bar. Like you guys probably do. I have to convert it to kilograms and then see that weight on the bar. So well, let's make sure when we talk about your lift with your, with, with your grandma there, you're talking about 150 kilos, you're talking about 330 right. pounds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. 330 pounds. Yeah. Well, not sure 150 pounds. Down. No, that was, everybody's got to start somewhere though. I really appreciate the time you coming on. We just hit you up kind of out of the blue and you're 100% fucking game. So we always appreciate that here at the Strategy of Fitness, Wealth of Knowledge. I will ask you to kind of promote yourself. Where can people find you, website, social media? And then if somebody wants to sign up for that programming or, or any other projects, just this is your time. You can pump whatever you want to pump it and we'd love to hear it here. Yeah, www.deepathletics.com. You can go sign up for a program. 100% individualized. You can have a call with me. I'll talk to you for 15 minutes and kind of walk you through the process and hang out with you, see what your goals are and kind of like show you the algorithm and everything. It's kind of cool. It's at least just neat to see. And we can bullshit about weightlifting if you really want. And yeah, you can find me on at that team. 
You can also find us on at underscore deep athletics underscore for that Instagram as well. So the deep athletics Instagram has a lot of really cool information. If you're like personal trainer, or you're thinking about it, it has a lot of really good info about programming, coaching, stuff like that, as well as like, you know, a lot of stuff about programming and what we do at deep athletics. And then if you go to my Instagram, you'll see me lifting weights and playing disc golf. Hope you guys liked that interview with Aaron. Rob, you watch any good movies recently or anything? We need a little bit more Rob. I don't know. We haven't talked to you in like two weeks. Oh, and I didn't talk totally that much on a text thread either. I figured, I figured works really just give us a stream overwhelming Rob. you. What's going on? Well, the reason I jumped out of the text chain is the strategizing for these workouts just got to be way too much to read. So I just, I just totally checked out of the group text. Now, now that the competition's over, I can start chime in again. But you, I did think of a good stream. Is you ever watch these all or nothing shows on Amazon? No. So they, it's like a hard knocks. They, they had a couple football ones. Is that the one they did with Man City? Yes. So. Yeah. I started watching the soccer ones, man. Premier League soccer is like, it's fascinating. I've watched the Man City one and I just started the Tottenham one. It almost makes me want to watch soccer, but it's much better in the show where they do like a three minute highlight of the game and you just see the goals. So I need. It makes it so much more interesting. The, the, the show is so well done. Yeah, check this out. Amazon Prime? Yep. Start with the New Zealand All Blacks. It's the rugby one. That's the gold standard, but the soccer ones are, are pretty good. Love when they do that chant. Hey, speaking of soccer, you guys see this guy, this forward. Speaking of soccer. <laughs> speaking of soccer, what is that? Wait, wait, hold up, hold up. We're getting fucking soccer talk. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm. I want to talk about the very healthy ultra athlete that almost dropped dead <laughs> of a fucking Insane. heart attack. Can we scare all of our listeners? What the fuck is that, guys? So he was in the sh- he's in the show. He's in the second season. He's on Spurs. He was on Spurs, yeah. Before he went over to Milan. But yeah, it's crazy. It's one of those freak things you hear about. Like you hear more in basketball. Like young Yeah, basketball we went to players. London. Yeah, yeah. I think when we went to London, I we we saw him play. He was on the Spurs when we, we went to a game. So I've been following Erickson for years. He's a fucking great player. And I was just talking with Nick us on the way back. We were, you know, from the comp, we were reading through the news. And could you pick a healthier person in the world than a fucking midfielder, international <laughs> midfielder for Denmark and, and, you know, the highest in Syria, you know, the highest league in the world? Apparently yeah. now he's, he's stable, right? Like he got yeah, CPR, they got the AED yeah. to him right away and he got quick medical care. So, I mean, just the prime example of how to, how to care for somebody that, that that happens to. He's 28 or 29 and just had a heart attack. Like, like, is that, is that how simple this is? Like he just had a heart attack in the middle of the, because I, I'm reading something from eight hours ago that said he was completely gone and we did cardiac. I mean, they, they did, they did CPR and, and brought it back. Like this dude was going to die. Like that makes no sense to me. <laughs> How does that happen? There has to be, is there, does there have to be an underlying health condition that we don't know about? Or is this shit just that random? I mean, I'm not a, a cardiac. I know. I know. Like, it's an electrical system to your heart, right? Like anything could, it could mess up your internal pacemaker and you can go into a rest. I mean, it happens to young basketball players. We hear it quite a bit. Anybody like any of us could have a brain aneurysm anytime, like rupture a blood vessel in our brain and die. I mean, it's just like one of those freak things that can happen. And when it happens on a stage like that, it becomes a lot scarier because you just, do you remember Eddie Curry? He was a basketball player in the NBA. Yes. 
I think that he was at risk for that and then like didn't want to get tested for it. I think they made him retire. I, there was some weird situation there where when he signed with the Knicks, they're like, dude, you got to get this heart testing done. And the interesting thing is I know he plays in Italy. And one of the things we learned about back in school, I think Italy's like way ahead on this testing because there's a specific type of cardiac arrest with athletic or uh, cardiac arrest that can occur with athletics and normal healthy people. And I want to say that the Italians had the best screening for it. America does not have great screening for it, but there is certain diagnostic ultrasound I think you can do to screen for that type of stuff. I could be totally wrong on that, but this is kind of what I remember. Rob, am I, I'm off base there. I don't know what you're talking about, but it sounded right. So I'm <laughs> Yeah, we'll bring well, it on. Going, I got my order in for an AED defibrillator. It's not a bad thing. Yo, straight up, an AED is never a bad thing to have around. It really fucking isn't. They're super easy to they use. Said they said it would save his life. They're like, they, yeah. they had to use it once and it brought him right back. But if they said if they didn't have it, they don't know if the CPR would have been enough. I lost sound there, Nick. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, I don't know. Crazy shit. Dan, what do you got? Any streams? I was talking about a special moment with my daughter because I, I said I love the Rewatchables podcast and they did Raiders of the Lost Ark, the first Indiana Jones movie. Threw that on with Bailey. It was a little scary, but God, is that like that? I talked about Jurassic Park and I'm just thinking like in my head, like movies that just are perfect. Raiders of the Lost Ark. What a fucking perfect movie. I love it. Rewatchables podcast. I'm going to have to start on this one too. They just take, yeah, Bill Simmons, who me and Nick love. I've, I've listened to him like since the beginning of podcasting. And he just does it with these nerds and they just break down these fucking movies and talk Old about classic them. movies and basically yeah. rewatch them and talk about all the highs and lows. I love that. I mean, that's uh, why I listen to the Victory podcast and rewatch Entourage. So as soon as I finish the rap, I'm going to get over to their watchables. The rap resource of as a podcast. My other venture. All right. Anything on the grill this week, Rob? Nothing new. I just did a ribeye on some salad over some Aldi Parmesan crisp for dinner that came out absolutely perfect. I feel like I'm at a level now where I know exactly when a steak hits medium rare. It's it's it's, it's a great feeling. That's a good feeling. You just feel like it's kind of like a, a baseball player just being in the groove. You know, I, I, you just, I can just you know what pitch is coming. I can tap that steak and I know right away. How about, about you? Did you put anything on there? Anything on the old old rec tech? Nothing crazy. Uh, we did Father's Day dinner tonight because my parents are out of town next weekend and threw a couple tomahawks on. You know, I may have overseared. It wasn't, it wasn't as perfect as the first time. Dipping the second one in the same cast iron butter, I feel like I may have, I may have got a, it just wasn't as perfect. Still really good, but you know, it's, you live and you learn. You're really digging that tomahawk cut. Big fan. Big fan. And, you know, it's one of those things that they just look so ridiculous that sometimes, you know, it's worth it. So it won't be an every weekend thing. But since it was Father's Day and, and me and Pops wanted a, wanted a big boy went that way rather than the prime rib or something like that. Did you like tomahawk chant it while you were? <laughs> yeah, always. Absolutely. <laughs> I painted my face. It was super racist. Yeah, I was going to say, get your ass canceled for that. one. <laughs> Chiefs and the Braves, they still do it. So we're okay, right? Yeah, I think that, I mean, the Chiefs and the Braves are both like a legitimate warrior subculture within a lot of different tribes, right? I mean. Yeah, and I say Native American. I don't even call, I don't even say Indian. So no, I'm, no, like, no. I'm, I'm way, way, you're, way. You're, I'm, you're a so, I'm snowflake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're safe. All right, boys. Anything around the room before we go to headers? Go, let's go headers. What do you got, Nick? Nothing. I got nothing. <laughs> I 
All I've been listening to is Big Booty Mix 19. Big fan of RDT Fitness. They just kept putting it on at the comp because they know it's the best Big Booty Mix ever. (laughs) It really is. Two Friends has never done better. So if you're not listening to this podcast and you're not listening to the Rewatchables or the Rap, make sure you're listening to Two Friends Big Booty Mix Volume 19. Rob, still to this day, the best thing that you've talked about on this pod, and you've really taught me a lot but the thing you've taught me the most is how fucking awesome big booty mix is i i can't take credit for that that's all my wife that's it's that's your all. wife but hey man she's an extension of you so i appreciate her and i appreciate you i just want to give credit where credit is due and who knows what big booty 20 is going to bring sure i don't know i'm i'm busting waiting for it though <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give Alex King credit because, you know, Alex has developed a a Spotify playlist that he's like, you know, send it to me. And I'm sure he's like, oh, these guys are going to listen to it. I listen to it all the time. Actually, it's fucking great. Great. He's great at making mixes. No, no, no. I love it. And the one that DMX song that I remember because it's got the best first line. Maybe I'm thinking Live Wire by Motley Crue. And then bring your this is bring your whole crew by DMX is like the greatest first line in music history ever. I can't even give it away. You got to listen to bring your whole crew DMX. That's going on. Love it. Such a great song. Love you, Alex. I got one called Bar Breaker by, I think his name is Prof. I don't know. I feel, I always feel weird throwing out these hip hop songs. I don't know anything. And I, I feel like I'm saying the name wrong, but hopefully nobody knows who that is. So I'm not, I don't look like an idiot. I think it's right on, right on cue, right down the middle of the fairway. All right, boys. Well, this is fun. Hope you guys enjoyed. We'll be back again shortly with either the three of us bullshitting or we got some guests lined up. So talk to you soon. Later. Later.